0: It's time for episode 458 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, July 6, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that uses drones in place of fireworks. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my dungeon buddy, it's Dan the Man
0: Moore. And how you doing, Dan? I'm doing okay, Micah. I'm really hoping that drones don't replace us someday. That would be very <laughs> sad. Also, a lot of buzzing. Yeah, I was going like. to
1: say, they'd really have to work on the buzzing. We need a special f- buzz filter. <laughs> buzz filter. <laughs> <laughs> buzz, filter. buzz filter anyway um we have great name for a website there you go buzzfilter.com that's probably already taken maybe don't go there i don't know what's there anyway um we have two awesome guests with us this week joining us at this virtual table to my left is the host of material right here on relay fm a writer at gizmodo and my favorite tamagotchi tinkerer it's flo ion hello flo
2: Hi, everybody. By the way, my small town had a drone show and a fireworks show.
0: Oh, doing
1: the most. <laughs>
2: Simultaneously? <laughs> that sounds dangerous. Town, and we're a small town, so kudos to F.
0: Wow. Okay. To my left this week, it's a partner at Lickability and the host of the podcast absolutely crushed. It's Matthew Bischoff. Welcome back, Matthew. Oh, it's so good to be here always, friends. So
1: good to have you. Also, I like the idea of just everybody brings their own drone, and then you
0: all just work together
2: to <laughs> do the show. B-Y-O-D.
0: B-Y-O-D. That's exactly. uh, Beyond
2: Thunderdome. Sounds Drum, like a, hitting a that. hornet's nest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, you know how the show works for topics, and I'll kick things off with mine. My question for you, and I have a feeling I know the answer for some, but uh, do you code? Flo, let's have you kick things off.
2: Okay. This is fun. I, you know what? I do code, but I code <laughs> in the web one in the first generation web. So HTML and CSS, that's all I can parse. Uh, and you know what? It's, It's made me cry a lot, but I love it so much. (laughs) I have a lot of uh, fond memories of building websites with HTML. I have no fond memories of working on the style sheets for my current website, (laughs) FlorenceMio.com, but but I like to think of it as updating my mind, keeping my brain fresh and young by going in and playing with some raw code. I do feel like because I've been in this Android world, for those who don't know, I'm uh an Android reporter. Um, I've been in this Android world for so long. I've been feeling really dissatisfied with the watch face that I have on um, on Android Wear. And so I've been thinking that maybe I should probably learn how to like make a simple watch face. I think they have templates out there for noobs like me. And I don't know, it just feels like something I should probably make time for in the next couple of years because I don't like my watch face.
0: I do code a little bit. I've coded for a long time. I learned basic way back when I was a kid. Uh, And then I've dabbled basically throughout the years. Um, I worked for a while as a web developer doing HTML and CSS stuff, which like flow I've been doing since the wee early days of the web. Uh, And I then did a lot of PHP coding. And I taught myself mainly because I was working with a friend on a a couple friends on a web comic when we were in college. And one of my friends did all the code because he was working as a web developer, but then he would be flaky and not update things. And so I was like, I'm just going to learn how to do this. (laughs) Learned a little bit of JavaScript. I did some Java in college uh, for a computer science class. And it just exercises a different part of my brain than a lot of the other work that I do. And I appreciate that aspect of it. Matthew, I suspect you might have some answers. Uh,
3: Yes, yes. I I do. I do program. I do code. I guess I uh, also started with HTML and CSS. Uh, then moved on to Java in, uh, high school. We had a, uh, AP computer science courses in high school. I took Java there. And then Objective C, of course, to write iPhone apps where I, I did that for uh, a number of years at the Times and then at Tumblr. And then Swift, of course, when it came out. And I, I still write, uh, Swift a couple of times a week. I do run uh, a company that makes IOS apps primarily, uh, Lickability, but um, I've uh, taken on more of a management and sales role over the years. So more code review and less programming these days than it has been in the past. All right. Um, for me, I am not currently a coder.
1: I also, I, it seems like we've all started at HTML and CSS for sure. Um, I am currently working on Python. Uh, I have several different online courses, um, that <laughs> I have, I've started at various times and then other things come up and get in the way of, of continuing them. Uh, but of all the things, this one has clicked the most for me. I've tried um, other languages in the past. Thank you all for your answers on that. Let us go to our next topic, which comes from Flo.
2: Oh boy. So I wanted to bring a little bit of levity to the world because everything has been, I mean, things have been really heavy. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. And yeah. when things get really heavy, I tend to really go to my comforts and I used to be really uh, shy about that and but then I realized that, you know what, this is, it's really helped me a lot. Um, right now I have a squishy in my hand, a little Hello Kitty squishy. Obviously, as Micah mentioned earlier, I do have a Tamagotchi in front of me. Right now I'm running a new Tamagotchi today. I have a cassette tape fidget spinner that I recently acquired. Um, and I have a couple of Pokemon figurines. And these are all things that just sort of add a little bit of levity to my everyday life. And so I'm curious, do... Do all of you have it, you know, toys, things, things that maybe seem childlike in nature but that really bring you a lot of joy and comfort?
0: I do like buying Lego sets and putting Lego sets together. Like that again, we were just talking about programming and again I think it's like it exercises a particular part of the brain that I just don't get to use very much. I don't I I used to keep more fidgety stuff around my desk to play with. I think the biggest challenge for that is as a podcaster, it can't be anything that makes noise. <laughs> um but as i look around my office here while i'm recording i can see that there's a bookcase behind me that has an entire shelf full of various lego sets and then above that a shelf full of i'm going to call them politely tchotchkes so yes <laughs> i guess the answer is short yes i do acquire some toys but i don't probably spend as much time with them as i used to There, and now my toys are just expensive electronics mostly <laughs> matthew what about you
3: yeah, my toys are also mostly expensive electronics, but I do have a few fun things on my desk and my bookshelf that I like to mess around with if I'm bored or just trying to, like, think through a problem. Um, one of my favorite ones is called the Mesmo Coin. It is, to quote their website, a mesmerizing pocket-sized kinetic spinning desk toy precision machine from solid brass that spins effortlessly on a tungsten carbide tip. Um, it's a, uh, it's a little spinny thing, uh, and it can spin for up to 12 minutes on your desk and it's just like really fun to stare at. So I like that a lot. I also have, I just remembered it. I'm going to have to go get it out later. So thank you for the reminder flow. I have a perfect replica of, uh, the sonic screwdriver from dr who that has the actual literal sound effects that that the maker kind of stole from the bbc somehow so i gotta go pull that out that's a that's a a toy that i really enjoy immediately
1: on my desk i have a a a fidget cube the one that has it's it's different activities on each side of the cube where Mm. you can you know pop Push the buttons or move the joystick. Uh, the problem was I would sit with that and fidget with it, and then the uh, technical director of one of my shows would go, um, "Is is there something is there something wrong with your microphone? You need to unplug and replug it." Uh, no, wait, it's still there. Is your fan on? No. And then I realized, oh, it was me fidgeting with <laughs> the fidget cube. Um, <laughs> so even though I have a microphone that does a pretty good job of rejecting room noise, it did not reject fidget noise. Um, so I had to switch for something a lot quieter and currently on my right-hand ring finger is a ring that is uh, a spinner ring, and I can just roll that back and forth with my thumb, and that is good fun for me. Not quite a toy, but still uh, fun. Um, Flo, I know you shared some of yours at the top, but uh, perhaps you have some reactions before we uh, head into the halftime?
2: I just feel so joyful after having this conversation with all of you. See, <laughs> it's just it just brings such a nice lightness, and now... I have a list of things to go check out. <laughs> so, thank you, yeah, Matthew list. and Micah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about our sponsor. and I I think that it might have you all going to uh, sign up for this as well because the sponsor this week is Set App. Getting things done is a challenge that everyone struggles with, but one way to tackle it is to make sure you have the right tools for your computer, and that means having the right apps. Look, even if it's not about getting things done, For me, I just love trying out new apps. I love getting to see what's available and try out fun new apps that then are sort of Eye-opening awakenings for me, uh, that you know, those apps are out there. And I think one of the best ways that you can do that is by getting SetApp. SetApp is brilliantly a subscription service for Mac apps. There are more than 240 apps that you can get for your Mac, all for your subscription. So I've just launched SetApp and immediately it has some recommendations for me based on apps that I've purchased in the past. And folks, most of the apps on this list are ones that I've actually bought before, meaning that this is smart enough to know that these are apps that I would super be interested in because they're ones that I would try. And folks, the other thing is you are all techie people and uh, in many cases, Mac techie people almost all of the apps on here are going to be ones that you've probably heard your favorite tech podcasters talking about before. So now for one subscription, you can get access to all of those apps that you hear people talking about. They've got a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps. So that way you're not, you know, any of the apps that are in here, you can count on them working, how they say they're going to work, and actually use them to uh, the best of your ability. I can't say enough good about Set App because it's just, it blows my mind that this is here and available for us. I know you want to check it out, and it's very easy to do, so all you have to do is go over to Setapp.com to try Set App free for a week. And if you like it, well, then just pay 9 dollars per month at setapp.com. Of course, our thanks to SetApp for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Alrighty
0: Dan, we are back from halftime, and it's time for your topic. So rumor has it that the normal quote-unquote iPhones this year, the non-pro ones, will still use the same processor that is in the previous year's model. So my question for you is, have our smartphones hit that point where they've just become like fast enough and it doesn't really matter? Would you consider a phone that's not the -the top-of-the-line processor if it had some other aspect that you preferred, like it was smaller, it looked better? Or is processing power still the be-all, end-all when
3: it comes to you making your smartphone decisions? Matthew, let's start with you. This is a really good question. I hadn't seen this rumor. Um, for me, I, I always get the new phone every year because I, I, it's for my work or whatever. Um, but, uh, I, I do try to decide, you know, a little bit based on size. I, I, for a while, I was getting the plus club, the the big phones, and I just realized that they're just way too huge. I'm, I'm very happy with my, um, 13 Pro. I do think it is fast enough. Um, and I think I would know better if I could, like, look at, like, an activity monitor on the device, um, and, and actually see, like, how, how often am I really pegging these CPUs? Like, what am I really doing? I, I doubt that I really ever am. I'm not really running, uh, intense multi-video capture, uh, stuff or really even playing very many games on my phone. So I don't think this will affect me. I think, um, I'm gonna stick with the, the pro line, but I won't mind that it's the same chip.
1: So to answer your first question, Dan, yes, I will consider a phone that is not top of the line, as long as it had some other aspects I preferred, because I end up getting a new phone each year, but that's because work pays for it. I think if work didn't pay for it, then this rumor about maybe uh, phones not having the newest chip in them could be an issue but I tend to go for the pro phones anyway, so I don't think it's going to be a problem for me. Um, That said, there are other things that these phones could provide that are of interest to folks that could make this a valuable, uh, a valuable upgrade for them, particularly with Apple and its cameras and iPhones. I think that makes all the difference. So even though it doesn't have a new, faster processor, that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't some great features that would make it worth purchasing the latest and greatest.
2: I'm trying hard to get my thoughts organized because I do come from the Android world of things and uh, processing power is a little bit different. You, if you do buy something that's mid-range, if it doesn't have enough RAM, uh, because in the Android world you can you can now pick out your RAM. That's like a new <laughs> thing that's being offered of different tiers. You could end up with a phone that feels like it's uh, degrading uh, with every. I hope I said the right word.
3: Degrading. We knew it. We knew what you meant.
2: I always buy quote unquote top of the line or the highest tier processor because I do hold on to phones for more than a year. Right now, I'm going on year two with a OnePlus device, and it's fine. It's still working really well, just like, uh, when I first took it out of the box, barring some other issues with it. But, uh, I, I do, yes, understanding that everybody has different situations. I do feel that there is more, while there are more options in Android land, the way Apple is doing it is working for a reason. I do like the fact that you can go over to that platform and buy like an iPhone SE and it's a similar processing power as what the flagship iPhones have. So there is definitely there's definitely still importance in that processor that you are buying to fuel your phone.
0: Yeah, I I feel really torn. I mean, uh, like a lot of us, I'm a tech journalist so I cover These phones, when they come out, and it always feels like, well, if I get the one that's a step down, am I going to be missing out on parts of the conversation about some of the features that I won't have access to? And, you know, a lot of times the processors, the newer processors enable functionality that isn't necessarily possible on older processors. Hence, that's why they have them, right? Because they want to be able to sell them. (laughs) So I... Don't always like. I mean, in the past several years, I have looked at you know, say the the iPhone Pros when I've got them, and I generally think the uh, the the normal standard iPhones look better in the last few years than the Pros do. They have much better colors. Um, you know, they don't have uh, you know they have sort of the anodized aluminum look, which I kind of dig, and I liked the idea of the smaller iPhone Mini. And I could never quite bring myself to make that jump because I felt like I had this, that FOMO, right? It's like, Oh, I'm missing out on something that I might, you know, need to write about or even just want to have. I I don't know. I, like I said, I feel torn. I suspect I'll probably still end up going with the iPhone Pro later this year for whatever reason, but I do sometimes wish that that weren't necessarily the only uh, decision factor there. But thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from Matthew.
3: Yeah, so I saw this story from Vice yesterday, this week, that was basically uh, showing a leaked video from Disney that um, proves that they've been quietly sort of working to become a major player in the targeted ad tech space and using data from all their different services like Disney Plus and Hulu to create new, ty- new types of targeted ads. <laughs> um, how do you... What do you think about that? How do you manage your own privacy settings um, with regard to advertising? And do you like targeted ads or do they kind of creep you out?
1: So I've gone through cycles on this because before I knew how they worked long, long ago, they very much creeped me out. Then I learned how they worked. And then they didn't creep me out as much. And I started blocking uh, the way by which they uh, try to Uh, you know, learn about you and then target you with ads. And so that was a period of time where I was like, I'm not creeped out because I understand you, but I don't want you. And then they started being able to give me targeted ads again. And they don't creep me out because they're targeted ads. They creep me out because they've somehow figured out a way around the blocking that I've done. So that is where I am most recently uh, freaked out by targeted ads is I'm going, okay, so what thing do I have turned off? Or what thing is turned on that is causing this issue where these targeted ads are getting through to me? Um, The way that I manage my privacy settings is through a a series of tools that I use, um, including on my own uh, personal uh, network, I have uh, an Eero, I have Eero devices. And so Eero has this thing called Eero Plus. And with it, you can add ad blocking at the router level. Uh, then next DNS is, uh, blocking at the, you know, DNS level. Um, and then I also have iCloud private relay, um, which I sometimes toggle off because it's still in beta and still can be slow at times, but I feel with the other two things kind of working actively at home, uh, it helps to, to avoid any issues there. So that's what I do at home when I'm out and about. Um, I will... Uh, use iCloud Private Relay as much as I can in the situations when I can. And I also like to browse with uh, ExpressVPN turned on, uh, just to kind of lay the lay the the blanket of, of protections as much as possible. And yet, sometimes those targeted ads still make it through, and that's when things get creepy. Uh, Flo, what about you?
2: I'm just, again, trying to uh, organize my thoughts on this one. I think for myself, I've been a lot more cognitive of the apps that are tracking me and trying to use some of the new Android permissions and privacy settings that come through and just enabling them. Um, I do it more on a per-apps basis. So some apps I'm like, you know what, I kind of... <laughs> you, you've gotten me a couple times with those targeted ads. <laughs> They've worked. So uh, maybe this is okay. I don't know. But admittedly, I would like to spend a little more time Curating these things and just kind of like listening to Micah speak about how he's protected himself. It's just making me think about how I really need to tune things here, not necessarily for myself, but really for my kid. <laughs> because I have, it really became clear to me how much targeting was happening after she started wielding a phone and you please save your commentary on my kid having a phone, but she likes her Disney Plus. She loves her Mimi, her Minnie and Mickey. And I'm not going to take that away from her, this joy. So I have to figure out a way to keep Disney from giving her some really targeted stuff because it's, it's, it's getting really hard to shield her from things. Not that I want to keep her sheltered, but. But I would like at least the feeling of more control over this. So this is definitely something that I need, you know, my partner and I need to spend time uh, taking care of this. So this conversation sparked that in me. Thank you.
0: (laughs) I have a weird... So the targeted ads thing, I kind of... I'm not going to say I'm oblivious to it. I definitely notice it. I kind of rolled my eyes at it. I'm in some ways more bothered by stuff like Instagram's own curation and not just for ads but for like its feed of things it wants to show you oh just algorithms um, in general Yeah. I mean, Instagram in particular is one that I've noticed particularly, uh, to me has jumped out because recently I've been like scrolling through it and I've noticed that like a lot of the things I get seem to be about these like on a certain theme or whatever. And I'm like, why? Wow. I, and I, you know, I can unpack that and, and like Mike, I'll sort of trace it back and be like, all right, I kind of understand how they're figuring this out, but it bothers me more than something that is overtly trying to sell me something because that at least I can filter into that box of like, it's an ad. I know it's an ad and they're trying to, you know, get me to spend money. Whereas the influencers, for lack of a better term, like it's a little more insidious. I find because you're scrolling through and you're just sort of absorbing this like, Oh God, why do I have a thousand different posts about this in my Instagram or whatever? And, uh, I just, you, it sort of gets, it worms its way in there. And I find that very uncomfortable at times because I don't always stop and think about it. Um, I do have ad blockers on Sun stuff. I don't go to huge extents in order to do that. I do try to use iCloud Private Relay when I can. I only really use a VPN if I'm using a connection that's not at home. And so, you know, some of it is the cost of doing business and I've had to sort of absorb that. But like Flow, I feel like it's something I should probably be more cognizant of, but it is so frustrating that the onus is put on us as consumers to have to do all this work, right? And especially because most people don't understand how it works or know what they can do to stop it and so they're just getting barraged by it and i cannot count the number of times i've had people come to me uh friends and family members and like oh yeah you know instagram you know listens to you and and like mm-hmm. all right it, it doesn't but <laughs> here's all the the ways that are less obvious that it's getting all this information right like I completely get why you think it does exactly, exactly. like yep. i can see why you would say that It's even worse, is the point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I think it's for me, it's not something I spend a lot of time on because it's just it's exhausting, right? That's what it comes down to is the cognitive overload of trying to parse all your decisions and figure out how do I do this in a way that somebody is not going to get this information and use it. It's just so much to think about for every single interaction you do online. So I would like to see, I you know, preferably something that's more of a top-down situation where it's the advertisers are forced to limit what they do and i do think that steps that you know both apple and google have taken to try and and mitigate that are good but it needs to go further in my opinion
3: yeah i as as for me on, on this question i i agree with a lot of what all of you have said, especially Dan, uh, just about how much work this is to manage. And I'm just looking back at my own strategy and my own behavior. And I've put in so much work on this. I really, really don't like these types of advertisements in my Instagram or Twitter feeds. Um, but they're so difficult to avoid. I've gone so far as to... Of course, run iCloud private relay, do the Eero ad blocking at the router level, but also I block almost any Twitter account that advertises to me so that over time, you know, it, it, they get less and less relevant. Uh, I also run ad blockers in my browser. I, I like to pay for services whenever I can that they offer an ad free option. If you know, Twitter or Instagram offered an ad free, uh, tier of their premium services tomorrow, I would pay for it. Uh, but, but even doing all of that and putting in all that work, uh, you can't avoid it completely. So this kind of stuff does freak me out. Absolutely. All right. We
1: are going to take another quick break before we come back with our bonus topic, I would like to tell you about the next sponsor, which is Electric. Uh, When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop lost in the mail for a new hire or dealing with some other technical emergency which you're well-equipped to deal with, but maybe you don't have the time. That is why the team over at Electric can help you, because they know small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. They've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, answering never-ending IT questions from your team... You can focus on building your empire with electric acting as your IT department. You can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage all of it. Uh, Just this idea of being able to, like, when you—I'm sure—anytime somebody starts a business, they are the jack of all trades, the, the 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 person of all trades that they have to be, but. What you need to focus on versus what you have to focus on versus what you want to focus on are all different, and that is where Electric can come in and help you out with that. That any of you out there who are are looking for an IT team uh, to to come in and do that part of the work for you, uh, that's where Electric can help out. For Clockwise listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo Three headphones for taking a qualified meeting. You just go to electric.ai slash clockwise. That's electric.ai slash clockwise. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. And of course, our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. All right, back from the break. And now is my question for you. Uh, Perhaps I'm putting you on the spot. Perhaps you checked in with the spreadsheet earlier and so you know what the question is. What is your most treasured Material possession. Flo, we'll start with you.
2: An original pair of Fry Engineer boots made in America.
0: Those are some great boots. I'm not falling for your trap so that you can come and steal my (laughs) material possession. I see what you're doing here. I understand. Uh, I will say probably it is, uh, I, when I was a kid, I had a teddy bear that was actually something my dad gave to my mom. And it basically like was my, my bear for my entire childhood. So he's still around. He hangs
3: out. My answer is very sappy, but, uh, it's my wedding ring. I got, I got married during the pandemic and, uh, my wife and I are still, uh, separated by the border. She's in Canada and I'm here in the U S. So it's a nice physical reminder that, uh, that we're together, even though we're apart.
1: Oh, um, mine was recently replaced. Uh, it, it is a new thing, is what I mean. Um, just last Christmas, uh, my partner's family got me the, I'm gonna start getting weepy, got me the most incredible, uh, gift. It is a, uh, really nice fleece blanket and it has photos of all the people in my life that I love all oh. over it. And so I just like get to wrap myself in love and be warm. Um, Thank you. My all. husband
2: gave me my boots, by the way. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. Okay, so yours is also touching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: sorry, I had to add that. Wait, wait,
3: yes. No,
1: we're all, it's all touching. It's all touching. Uh anyway, that is the bonus topic. So thank you all for your answers on that one. If you would like to get ad-free episodes of this show, by the way, with an extra overtime topic every week, you out there can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up. It's just five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss teaching old dogs new technology tricks. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that is left is to thank our incredible guests, Flo Ion. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And Matthew Bischoff, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. And Michael will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.